Thanks for joining us for another phenomenal message from C3 Church in San Diego, California. For more info on C3 Church, go to c3sandiego.com. I wanted to share a message on the Father's love. And uh, it's a message that will touch your heart. And uh, I want you just to be open to let God speak to you. And as I speak and share tonight, the Holy Spirit will begin to show you where you are in the story. He'll show you what's in your heart that He was willing to touch tonight. And maybe I don't specifically speak about the issue you have, but you will know it because God will bring it to mind. And I encourage you to come up. We'll have a great altar call at the end. Power of God will be here. People will be set free. Your life will be delivered and changed. And uh, I can assure you, if you will reach out to the Lord, it's not me praying for you that's what counts. It's your heart towards God and your expectation that He can set you free, touch your life. Amen? Come on, tell someone next to you, be open tonight. God wants to help you. <laughs> Leon told that to Jürgen, so you're going to be up in the front of the altar call. <laughs> okay, we're going to have a look in the book of uh, Luke, Luke chapter 15. And we'll look in the Scripture. I love to read the Word of God. We need to be uh, uh, fluent with the Word. You need to know what God's Word says. Many people are waiting to have a great experience of God. I found, you know, I haven't really had lots of great experiences, but I have times and seasons when God is moving stronger. And, uh, but always by faith, we can walk, and, uh, walk with Him. So we're going to read a story. It's found, we're going to start off in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. And then we're going to go into the story of the prodigal son, which is really a story of the prodigal father, the generous, abundant, extravagant father. And uh, I want to let's just open our hearts, Lord. Father, we just open ourselves tonight to all that you want to say and want to do. And I pray tonight a river of your love will flow into this house, into the hearts of every person here. And that no matter how long we've been a Christian, no matter where we are in our personal walk, that, Lord, tonight you will speak and reveal yourself. That, Lord, the river of your great grace will flow and touch hearts. We open ourselves that whatever is blocking us from the deepening of our intimacy with you, you'll just bring it to the memory, you bring it to the surface. And tonight we'll come and open ourselves for you to set us free, for us to encounter you in a greater way. Father, we give you all the honor for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, into this world. Amen. Amen. Well, God, the question that people really want to know is, what is God like? And people in all cultures have many different ideas what God is like. And wherever you go, there's various different views of God, and they all range in a different way. And so in the Bible, God revealed Himself progressively. So when you walk through the Bible, you find God revealing Himself to different men in different ages. And He brought different revelations of Himself. He revealed Himself, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, the provider to Abraham. And then to uh, Moses, He revealed Himself as I Am. And then through the Bible, we find God revealing Himself in different ways until the time when Jesus came. And this is what the last words of the Old Testament are before Jesus come. He said, in the last day, I will send the spirit of Elijah, and he will come, and he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and children to their fathers, lest I smite the earth with a curse. So God spoke prophetically of the desperate need for family restoration and the desperate need for the hearts of fathers to be shifted. And so keeping that in mind, when we look at Jesus' ministry, Jesus came to reveal 
really what God is like as a father. So Jesus' revelation, the revelation he brought was God as a father. And, of course, people have got various experiences of father, ranging from wonderful experiences to very, very painful experiences to perhaps very abusive experiences. We all have a concept of a father. So when we come to try and address God as father, the image we have in our heart of what father is like comes up in our mind. And if it's a good thing, then uh, we will be able to, if it's right or if it represents God well, then we will be able to relate to God quite easily. So God's plan is that a father should represent him to his children so that growing up, people would experience something of what God is like as a father, then it would be easily to come to know him as Father God. The reality is many people's experience is quite different to that. And so when they come to Jesus, yeah, I love Jesus, say, but when they come to pray, Father in heaven, which is what Jesus taught, there's something in their heart is resistant. It's because they have experiences and memories. And when the word Father comes up, there's an image filled with pain, and it makes it impossible to flow from the heart to call God Father. So Jesus came to reveal what God is like as a Father. When the disciples said, show us the Father, and then we'll be quite happy, he said, hey, guys, haven't I been with you long enough? Don't you realize it's the Father in me doing what I do? I reflect and represent what the Father is like. And they had trouble understanding that, deep trouble understanding that. And so this is where we come into this uh, story here. And this parable or story Jesus teaches, it's a parable that's laden with insight about relationships and particularly relationships of God's children to Him. And so we start it, and you have a look at the beginning in, in verse 1 and 2. Then all the tax collectors and all the sinners drew near to hear Him, and the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives or welcomes sinners and even eats with them. And so he started to speak parables. So the scene is like this. Jesus is surrounded by people. Now, they're not good people. They've actually got tremendous pain and brokenness in their life. The tax collectors were hated by the Jewish people. They were Jews who represented the Roman government and, and uh, took the taxes. And if they felt like it, they'd charge extra and you had to pay up or you were in trouble. And so they exploited the power they had to take money from people and rip them all off. So tax collectors were hated people. Then it says sinners to cover uh, people like prostitutes or drug addicts or people who are broken in their life, people whose lives are... are, are, are show and reveal they're terribly broken and in sin. And it says, these people came to Jesus, and he made them welcome. He didn't put up a law, you've got to get your life right before you can come and talk with me, which is what the rabbis and religious leaders did. He actually made them welcome. He opened his heart, opened his arms. He welcomed them to meet with him and talk with him. He demonstrated the grace that is in God that doesn't judge us and look at what we're like and how we dress and how we behave and what's going on. It's a heart that extends what we don't deserve, a welcome in spite of what's going on in our life. And so not only did he welcome them, he sat down and ate with them. And so he opened his table to sit and talk, to give them food, to meet and interact with people. This is what God is like. But the Pharisees, the religious people, the people who had the Bible, the people who understood the Bible, the people who uh, ran the church services, the people who were the religious leaders of their day, 
complained or were critical of Jesus for this very factor, he gave people what they didn't deserve. He made people welcome, and they would say, well, if you're going to be a spiritual leader, you have to separate yourself from sinners because they're unclean and defiled, and they'll unclean, they'll make you unclean and defile you. So the whole religious system of the day was constructed of many rules and regulations, and, and people were not welcome to come near unless they met the rules. So Jesus came to a church which misrepresented the heart of God. And it's demonstrated in the first two verses that he made sinful people, failures in life, broken people, people in adultery, people whose lives were messed up. He made them welcome. There was no judgment in his heart. There was no wall of offense. There was no sense that he looked down on them or despised them in any way. He made them welcome. When you have got sin or brokenness, when you've had an abortion or your life has failed, you wrestle with feelings of guilt and shame and condemnation, it's unusual to find someone that would open their arms and heart and make you welcome when you don't deserve it. That's what Jesus did. And so now he tells a story. He tells three stories. I won't explain them. I want to just go into just one story. And you've got to keep in mind the story is to contrast the lives of the sinners and the, uh, the, the, the people who were broken, the tax collectors, with that of the Pharisees. And so he tells a story of a father who has two sons. And one of the sons is symbolic or representative of all these Pharisees, all the sinners and, and tax collectors, all the people who were broken that came to him. And the other one is representative of the church of its day. So there's an elder brother and a younger brother. So keep in mind, when we look at the elder brother and the younger brother, the younger brother are those who have fallen away into sin. The elder brother is the one who has stayed in religion. Now, we begin to understand what he's saying, and he's going to, he's going to uh, reveal the very heart of God. And we'll see as we look into the story, the father had two sons, and both sons were lost. Both sons were lost. One was physically a long way off, but the other one was a long way off in his heart. Both sons were lost. And so it's a story of an extremely generous father with two sons that he loves that are lost. Now we read the story. We're going to look at the story. I think I'd like to read it. Then I want to go and just open up the two stories of the two different sons and show you something about it. A certain man had two sons, verse 11, and the younger one said to his father, Give me what belongs to me. So he divided him his livelihood, his inheritance. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all and journeyed to a far country and wasted his possessions with extravagant and wild living. And when he'd spent everything, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. So he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly fill his stomach and with the, the corn pods that uh, the, the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. Then he came to himself and he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? But I am perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. But when he arose and came to his father, when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion and ran 
fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father said to the servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and now is alive again. He was lost and he was found. And they began to have an amazing party and celebration with music and food, all kinds of stuff. So this is the first son. This is the younger son. The younger son does not place value on relationship with his father. The younger son actually wants to be independent. He's got an opinion that he knows how to run his life. And so what he says is, Dad, before I know you're going to die one day, and I know you're going to give me an inheritance after you die, but I want it before you die which is extremely dishonoring to his father. His father had every right then to uh, deal with him quite severely. But the father, notice this, the father released him to be able to follow the course that his own life wanted. Love releases people. Love does not hold people. Love respects that they're a person of value and lets them make free will choices, even if they know that that choice is destructive and hurtful for them. So God gives to you and I, because He values us, He places value of relationship above performance. So He gives us free will to set our course. You can choose your destiny, a destiny in heaven, a destiny without God. You can choose it. And because if God overruled you and and controlled you or forced you to submit in some kind of way, you would not be able to have an intimate relationship with Him. Intimate relationships must work out of love, and they require you have free will to choose whether you enter it or whether you do not. So the first son represents the mass of people, people that God has created in His image for a loving relationship, and are given a choice, what do you want to do with your life? Do you want to live in relationship with God? Do you, do you want to just run your life without God? And so the young man said, I really want to run my life without you. And he says, I want the money now. I want my freedom now. I want to go do what I want to do. So he went, and that's what it said. He went to a far country. When we reject intimacy with God, we find ourselves in a far country. We find ourselves separated spiritually from God. A far country uh, is a place which is very distant from God. Sin separates us from God. So his desire to be independent is what is the core of sin. You may think you're a good person and, and living a reasonably good life, but if you're running your life without God, that is the heart of sin. That is actually what it means to sin. It's to reject God and to run your own life, believing I can find my way, I know what's best for me. It's being as God in your life. So the young man ran, he ended up in a far country, and for a while everything went well. But it's absolutely certain that if you walk away from intimacy with God, there will be a vacuum in your life, and you will come to a point in your life when you are aware of it. Some are only aware of it on their deathbed. This young man became aware of it because of an economic crisis, a financial crisis. And so it says he went there, he had a wild time, so he was doing well. He, was having, he had plenty of money, he had heaps of money, and so he's out there and he's having parties, he's involved in sexual relationships, alcohol, drugs, he can just do whatever he wants. He's got the money and resources and freedom to do it. But there's still an emptiness in his life. Nothing like that can satisfy you fully. That's why you have to keep having more. Notice what happened. It says there, there was a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in desperate need. And the Bible says he joined himself to a citizen of the far land. 
he, he was desperate. He had no resources, so he needed a job. He joined himself to a citizen of a far land, and the citizen sent him out to feed the pigs. Now, to the Jews, or in the, in the Hebrew mindset, to be involved with pigs was the lowest state you could ever fall to. Pig was deemed to be an unclean animal. To be involved with pigs, you could not fall any lower. To be involved in feeding pigs, associated with pigs, you had fallen as far down as you could get. If you've ever been around pigs, they're disgusting. If you ever see what they feed pigs, that's even worse. Uh, you know, when you've been to a lovely restaurant, they serve you a nice meal, but afterwards they get the scraps and they put them all out and they go into a bucket and there's liquid and there's bones and there's half-eaten potatoes and carrots and mush and rice and, and, and half of uh, Pastor Jurgen's chicken. And there's all kinds of stuff. It's just all mixed in there, you know. And they get a bucket full up to the top. It's just a bucket of swill. And you look at it, it's disgusting. And that's what they feed the pigs. They take it out. I've been out there. I went to a farm in, in Dannyburg, and I lived in Dannyburg. They said, do you want to feed the pigs? I said, yeah, yeah, of course. So let's show me what it is. Uh, and I'll go out and feed the pigs. I've never done that before. This will sound like a good thing. So they took me out, and there's a sort of a pen, and there's pigs over there, and there's a trough. And they said, well, you've got to go into the yard there, and then you just pour the stuff into the trough, and the pigs will come and feed off it. I said, okay, sounds all right to me. So anyway, I opened the door, but the pigs knew what this thing was I was carrying. So the moment... I get in there, the pigs see this bucket, and they turn, and they're coming towards me. It's like a stampede. So I get the stuff and slop it there into the trough, and it just sort of, bleh, you know, like everyone scraps. And, I go, oh. and then I'm surrounded by pigs. And they're pushing and shoving one another, and they're pushing. They, they not only stick their head into the stuff, they get their feet into the stuff, and and they're going like this, and I think, oh, this is disgusting. This is gross. <laughs> Absolutely disgusting. Well, this is what this young man had gone to. And he's looking at the pig's food, and he's thinking, i got to get some of it before they do. <laughs> Says he wanted to eat what the pigs ate. He was that desperate. In other words, he'd sunk to the complete bottom now, the reality is that when you and I reject intimacy with God, when our heart is closed to giving and receiving love, you were designed for love. God made you for love to receive it and to give it. And so there's a part of our lives that's never right unless we position ourselves to be loved and valued and honored and cherished and given purpose in our life. That's one of the roles of a father in your life. And so when we don't get it, we will find a substitute for it. And this man found a substitute for a loving relationship with his father. But the substitute that he found led him into this condition. He became joined to the citizen, ended up feeding the pigs. Listen, if you don't have a relationship with God, you will find very soon you'll be joined to something else. We are made to bond and connect. When God made you, He put it inside you, the need to be bonded in a loving relationship. Adam was made to be bonded to God and then bonded in a loving relationship with his wife. So when a young child, when a child's very young, then the first thing they must learn is how to bond. If there's no bonding with their mother, where they learn security, comfort, they learn safety, they learn to be secure inside, then they have problems in relationships all their life. In my own life, my mother got TB when she was extremely young, and we were separated for a long period of time. 
the insecurity of that affected me and my ability to bond in relationships for years and years and years. So what happens when you are not connected to and bonded into a loving relationship with God who celebrates you, loves you, embraces you, accepts you, when that's not in your life, you'll bond with something else. So you filled your life with a substitute. So people become bonded or locked into alcohol, bonded or locked into relationships, bonded or locked into their work. They become workaholics. So people find a whole range of things to lock their life into to feel and meet, uh, to meet this need in their life. Trouble is it never does. You have a sexual relationship, soon it's unsatisfying, then there's a need for another one, another one, and your soul becomes scattered, and you become more and more shallow and empty, and more despairing that you'd ever find a relationship where you could be loved for who you are. Or you become involved in drugs or in pornography. People get involved in pornography, they become bonded to demonic spirits of perversion that lie behind the images and pictures. Think about this, that some woman has sold herself. She's received money to have photos or pictures or movies taken of her. So she sold her body, sold herself in order to someone take the movies. Now, you go on one of those sites and pay money or go into those sites, you are engaging the spirit of prostitution. So, of course, many Christians would never do that. They never go and be involved with the prostitute publicly, but the internet will draw them in. They become bonded to things that then degrade you, become open to evil spirits to come in. So when we attach to things apart from God, we open our life to demonic spirits to come in and to, and to engage our lives. Now, they don't come in in a way that you'd know. They just come in and you don't usually know your life has problems and you can't be at rest. You can't be at peace. You can never find fulfillment. You can become addicted, a spirit of addiction, spirit of bondage comes on your life. You can be caught with spirits of lust, and then you're never at peace, no matter how uh, intimate your wife's relationship with your wife has always got a superficiality in it because there's a spirit of lust is driving you. You can never be satisfied. No spirit of lust is ever going to be satisfied. That's its nature, to keep wanting more and more and leave you feeling empty. So he was joined to a citizen of a far land. This is what happens to so many people. They become joined to demonic spirits. And we're not to be, God, God wants us joined to Him. He that's joined to the Lord's one spirit with Him. He doesn't want you joined to demonic spirits. People get hungry for supernatural. They get involved in the occult, get involved in divination or various forms of sorcery. They open their life to demonic spirits and they end up with spirits communing with them. And when this happens, people have spirits and they become familiar with them in their life. They, they, they become used to that voice speaking. They become used to those thoughts. They begin to think it's just me. And they start to find themselves at home with an evil spirit and not even realizing they are joined to a citizen of a far country. They're joined to something evil, destructive, that's never going to rest until it's totally destroyed their lives. So this, is, this story is a very, very powerful story. It tells that if we don't bond with God in a loving relationship, we'll find a substitute and find ourselves one day wondering, how did I get here? How did I get to such a low condition in my life where there's been lying and stealing and cheating and sex and drugs and uh, all kinds of things, unclean things? How did I get to such a low state? I didn't see this coming. That's the deception of sin. And so there's the young man. But finally it says, he came to himself. He came to himself. In other words, he began to remember. And what did he remember? He remembered the goodness of his father. 
the Bible says it's the goodness of God will draw and attract you to turn away from things. It's not beating you on the head and telling you you're wrong. It's not beating you on the head and telling you everything that's wrong in your life and, and, and judging and condemning. That doesn't bring anyone anywhere. What brings people to God is to experience the loving kindness of a God who loves us and accepts us. That's the very thing that Jesus was modeling. He was accepting and welcoming sinners. Did he know they sinned? Yes. Did he agree with their sin? No. But he could mix with them with no fear because he knew who he was. And so he made them welcome. He did, he, his call was to represent what God is like so people can see God in a person and be attracted. When people see you and meet you, are they attracted to what they find in your life or are there walls in your heart that turn them off? Listen, if, you've got, if you look at someone and you've got a judgment in your heart against them, they feel it because there's no flow from your spirit. The wall in your heart blocks the flow. They don't feel embraced, welcome. They don't feel safe. They feel continually condemned and judged and usually react to reject you. So this young man came to himself. He said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough and I'm perishing? So he recognized his condition. The first step out of, this, out of problems like this is just to recognize our condition. And he just recognize and be aware, I'm a mess. I've got stuff going on in my life. I hate myself for this. And when I come to church, it doesn't seem to get any better because I walk out and then I still got stuff going down in my life that I really hate and I'm ashamed of. So the first step is to recognize I'm in bad shape. I'm perishing. I'm, I've got issues in my life. And so then the next thing is to become aware that God actually will reach out to you to love and welcome you. So this young man made his long trek back home. And notice there's a deeply repentant heart. If we want to receive from God, the way we receive from God is through humility and repentance. The young man said, I've sinned. I've sinned against my father and against God. I have had a bad attitude to my father. I have rejected him. I've dishonored him in my attitudes, in my behavior, in my lifestyle. My father has every reason to be ashamed of me. I have broken his heart and hurt his heart. And so he said, I've sinned before against my father and against God. So he was aware all sin is primarily against God. So he says, I'll go back to my father. I'll humble myself and put the relationship right. Notice he went out. He was convinced he was right and he rejected relationship. Now he's desperate. He realizes he's wrong and he hungers for relationship. And he goes back seeking for reconnection with his father seeking to have the relationship restored. But now, instead of going out demanding his freedom, he said, I'll come back just willing to serve. I got no demands now. So a truly repentant heart is aware not only of the condition of their life, but the pain they caused others. A truly repentant heart is willing to humble himself and come back and say, I was wrong. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? It comes back with no demand. A servant doesn't make demands. A servant comes back willing to just yield. All they want now is the relationship and the connection. So he comes back now. What response does God make to a heart that says, I'm aware of my condition. I'm just coming and I'm looking for a relationship. Can you find it in your heart to forgive me? How does God respond to that kind of heart? Very, very simply, it said, while he was a long way off. While he was a long way off. You may feel you're a long way off from God, but God sees you. It says, while he was a long way off, when his life was such a mess and he was still distant, 
the Father saw him. God sees you. He sees you. He sees you. People in the church don't see you. They see what you look like. But God sees you. He sees you, the real person. He sees what's going on. He sees the pain, the struggles. When he was like, there's only one way you can see someone a long way off. You have got to be looking. So the father is yearning for restoration of the relationship, but he can't force it. He's unwilling to force it on the son. He wants the son to make a response. Relationship has always got to be a free will. And so the Bible says this. It says, while he was a long way off, the father's looking for him. I can imagine every day, father stood there and he's looking out. I wonder today, today is the day my son will come back. His heart loved his son in spite of the dishonor the son had brought to him. In spite of the shame the son had brought. And so every day he's out looking and then he's, one day he sees him. But it's not the proud son that went out. The young man's shoulders are bent over, his body's bent over, his clothes are in tatters, and if you've been around pigs, you'll understand how terribly it's a smell, and it gets in you and on you. So people who work with pigs, they smell like the pigs. So this guy coming back, his clothes are in tatters, his soul is broken, he's come back, his heart is repentant, and he's a mess. He just looks a mess, smells a mess. And this is what it says, the father, when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. He ran to the son. He ran to him and he put his arms around him and hugged him and kissed him. He kissed that dirty neck. He kissed that smelly person. He kissed him. Why? Because he loved his son. There was no judgment, no condemnation, no, listen, you've done me wrong. He just put his arms around and the boy felt the father's love and embrace. I tell you something, there's something to feel the love of a father. I, I remember when I was in uh, Indonesia and uh, I, I was in a youth meeting and they'd run a couple extra meetings up and I, I was a bit, you know, I was tired out anyway. And I said, well, God, just really do something different this time around. And they, had, they got someone to give a testimony. It was a young boy and the young boy had uh, been not wanted by his father. His, his father never wanted to have a child and this child came out and the, and the father abused the boy from when he was young, cursed him literally cursed him with his words, beat him violently, uh, made him go out and, and bring food home for, the, for his uh, mother. And uh, the boy was abused all the way through. So when he became a teenager, looking for love, he got involved in a homosexual relationship with an older man. And he was defiled by that thing. It just got into his life. And then at around about the age of 18, he, someone witnessed to him. He came to Christ, broke off the homosexuality and so on. And then he started to walk God. And so he was sharing in a youth meeting his testimony. And uh, I was deeply touched by that as I realized here is a boy, not once in his life had a father ever hug him or hold him. And I just felt the father's love for him. I just wanted to go up and give him a hug. And I thought it's a bit hard in a meeting when, you know, he's up giving a testimony. So I just sort of said, well, God, what do I do with this? And so I got up and just began to share and talk. I didn't even get to preach that day. We started to get a move of God going. And, and then in the middle of it, when people are being delivered and set free of being rejected and deep roots of rejection enough, I remember the young boy said, please bring him to me. So they brought this guy over and I said, look, I thank you for your testimony. Someone explained what you were saying and I was deeply touched. And I said, you know what, but I put, felt God put in my heart to love you, to just give you a hug. Can I give you a hug? And uh, he said, yes. So I put my arms around him. I, said, I just said in my heart, Father, let him feel your love. And I hugged him. It was like hugging a piece of wood. 
the wars in his heart of bitterness and rejection and grief and pain. They just went back over 18, 20 years of his life. And then when he did have a relationship with, his ma- with a man, it was defiling and, and left him abused. And so I held on to him. I said, Father, let your love just flow through me. And I held that young man. And it was like holding a piece of board. It was just horrible, really. You get more life out of a tree, I think, than holding him. But I held him. And then I, could, then I start to feel the wall crack. And suddenly... He just broke down and he began, now not just to cry, he began to sob and sob and sob as he experienced love that was unconditional, embracing him in all his condition. He felt the love of God flow into his life. He broke and he sobbed. He must have sobbed without stopping for probably about five minutes. I don't know how long it was. It just went deep belly sobs, his whole body shaking as he felt for the first time in his life that he was loved and accepted and valued. And then, I, then when, the, when the sobbing subsided, I lay hands on his head, commanded the spirits to come out, and he then had one of the biggest deliverances I've ever seen anyone get. It was wild and it was all over the place, but then he got free. All that stuff came out of his heart when he felt the love of God. Isn't that amazing? I had a similar experience with an older man about 40 years old in a restaurant. And uh, in Asia, it doesn't matter where you, you know, God just moves anywhere. I love it. And uh, I just love it. And so in this restaurant, I did the same thing to this guy. And, and uh, he, just, he just responded the same. And we had the same deliverance centers right in the middle of a restaurant. And uh, he got set free. And I said, it's okay. He's just getting set free of devils. Oh, okay. And uh, so he got free. So this young man... His father ran and fell on his neck and kissed him and hugged him and made him so welcome. Can you imagine that? That's how God embraces people. It's how God welcomes people. It's how God will respond when you come to him with a heart that says, Father, I've sinned. I need your help. I'm ashamed of what I'm attached to. And God will put his arms around you and hold you and love you and cherish you. He's not going to, you notice what is interesting? The father never even raised the son's failures. That's a pretty hard thing to understand, isn't it? The father never ever raised what the son had done. He stopped the son in his speech. He said, stop. Then he called out and he said, the servants, I want you to put a robe on him. I don't like the clothes he's wearing. I want him. He's my son. He's come back. I want him clothed properly. He said, I want you to put the ring of sonship and authority in the house back on him. And I want you to put the shoes of sonship on his feet. My son was lost. I found him. This is the heart of God. He's wanting to find his lost sons, lost children. This is the heart of God. That's what Jesus came to reveal to people who've sinned and failed. Put authority into their life. He didn't wait until he went through some long process of getting this and that happening and you've got to prove you're right and prove you're genuine. He just loved him and got him right back into positioning. In fact, he was restored totally into positioning as a son. Why? Because he was rightly related to the Father through humility and repentance and receiving the Father's love. I wonder how many here 
are like the prodigal son. And you are joined to things you're ashamed of, attached to things that have broken your heart. You have relationships. You look back in your life and I'm so ashamed of these things I have done, have been done to me. I'm ashamed of where I've been and what I've been involved in, what I've been looking at, what I got joined to. I'm, I'm connected to stuff that I hate. This would be a great night to say, Father, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to you to open my heart to receive your love, to receive your acceptance and forgiveness, and to believe immediately you will reinstate me to become a son in the house. Think about that. Well, let's have a look at the older son now. Have the older son. So they had a party. Now here's the interesting thing. It's heaven celebrates. It's a party. And so here we see in this uh, situation here, we see the older son. So he called the servants and he asked what these things meant. So the son's out working in the field. And the older son, and then they said to him, well, your brother, notice your brother's come. And because he's received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. He was angry. He was angry. They've got to remember now, Jesus is now talking about the religious leaders. The religious leaders were angry with Jesus. Why were they angry with him? Because he extended grace to people who didn't deserve it. That's the nature of grace. He extended to love to people who didn't deserve to be loved. He extended acceptance to people who didn't deserve to be accepted. He extended fellowship, hospitality. He ate with them. And they were angry. Why would a spiritual person who knows God do such a thing? So Jesus now talks about the elder brother. And so the elder brother, well, he was angry. He wouldn't go in. He wouldn't go in. In other words, he was unable to enter celebration the father had. He, had, he was disconnected from his father. He couldn't experience what his father experienced. He couldn't experience the grief of his father over the lost son. Neither could he experience the, this, the joy of his father over the found son. He had a problem in his own heart with his father. And this is what Jesus is pointing out. And so he wouldn't come in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. Jesus came not just for those who were sinning and broken. He came also to those who were caught in religious systems. Those who were caught in church under the law. Those who were caught in legalism. Those who were working hard for God's approval, striving to please God and knowing nothing of grace and love. And so the son who was out there, he said, notice the son's words. Now what a man speaks reveals what's in their heart. And so he said, I've been serving you all these years. You can feel the bitterness. Notice he's been serving. He's bitter about serving. He's the good boy. He's the one who stayed at home. He's the elder brother. He's the one who served and did what was right. He said, now I never transgressed your commands in any way. He's also self-righteous. But you never gave me a goat to celebrate with my friends. You've always withheld from me. I work so hard striving to please. I work my butt off in this farm and I've tried to work so hard, but I've never had you come and, and give me a party. I've never had you celebrate with me. I've never had you give anything to me. I've worked so hard to get this and yet it's never come to me. I'm really angry about this. This, this son of yours, he didn't even identify with the boy. 
It's his own brother. and He just won't identify with him at all. He's judged him. The son of yours. He's gone out. Look at this, done all this wild living. And now he comes back in and you celebrate? What's right about that? You see the bitterness and anger and resentment. Notice what he said. He's devoured your livelihood with prostitutes. He knew what the young boy had been doing. And so he said, you killed the fatter calf. You notice here, here's the problem with the elder son. It's no revelation of Father's love and grace. So he works to earn it. He's striving and working, trying to do enough to prove he's acceptable. I know what that is like. It's a horrible thing. All through my life, you know, I had a father who was quite uh, perfectionist and quite finicky over details. And the message I learned very early on was nothing I could do was right. And so it produced in me a striving to be loved, striving to find his approval in some way. So almost every year in school, I'd get the diligence prize. Got it in primary school, got it in secondary school, all the way through. Got the diligence prize, the hardest worker. But, and see, everyone says, one, we got the diligence prize, get the cup. But it couldn't satisfy me. Because when I'd go home, he'd say, well, you know, you could have done better here, could have done better. There was never what I was really looking for. What I was looking for is what all people look for. I was looking for a loving embrace. I was looking for words of affirmation. I was looking for a heart that would reach out and tell me I'm okay and I don't need to struggle and earn my Father's love. It's available for me. But I never had that. So, of course, what happens is your life becomes striving to earn love or earn affirmation or earn approval, you become then more worried about people than about what's real and what's right. You become more worried about what people think. And this was the very condition of the religious people. Not knowing the love of the Father, the grace of the Father, they worked and they strove and they, they, they just did all they can and they still couldn't enter into experiencing God. Their bitterness, their resentment, their comparisons, their judgments kept them out of the party. You can be in the house of God. You could have grown up in a church family. You could have served well and done well, but all the while never experienced the goodness of God. All the while never had a revelation of His tremendous love. Notice what the Father said, Son, Son, everything I have is yours. But His, his own attitudes kept Him out of it. See, God is an extravagant God, wants to bless us, but our heart attitudes can keep us out of it. Both sons had a problem with their father. Both sons needed a revelation of their father. The younger son found it. He went away and got attached. He went and rebelled and did his own thing and become attached to all the wrong kind of things. And then through humility and coming just openly and honestly to his father, he experienced the love of a father. The other man was different. The other man worked in the house, was resentful, bitter, legalistic, judged and condemned, and could not experience anything God had for him. What a terrible thing. Jesus brought this message to show people, this is what God is like. He's a loving Father. And if you'll respond to Him, He will celebrate, love, and embrace you. 
And if you've been attached to things, if you just make a decision to let it go and come to Him, He'll welcome and receive you. Not even going to raise it with you. It's like it never happens. He restores you, and you can begin the journey of intimacy and growing in love with Him. But if you are so full of pride that you can't humble yourself that way and you're striving, struggling to be good enough, then you'll never experience the grace of God in that way. And church, unfortunately, so often is full of people who don't know grace, don't know the generosity, undeserved that God gives us. So we work hard thinking if we do more, then God is going to love us more. But it doesn't work that way. We just receive His love, and from there we can overflow. I'll just finish with a a personal story. When we humble ourselves, God will give great grace. I was raised in a family that's quite religious. We're brought up in a Catholic background, so really we knew what laws and regulations were and confessing your sin, all that kind of stuff, but no power to live a godly life. And I met a brethren girl who, uh, she'd come from a strong brethren family, of course, and so they are uh, very quite set in how they did life and did things. And I fell in love with her uh, at university, and, uh, but continually... Uh, the, the family would want to break the relationship off. They had major attitudes about Catholics. There was quite a, a judgment about Catholicism, and therefore I was included in that. So because I was a Catholic, I was deemed to be unsuitable, unacceptable, and I was rejected. And uh, this was a very, very painful experience that people would judge and, and reject you. And so because I was deeply in love and bonded to her so closely, we had a major painful struggle that went over years and uh, uh, the relationship would be on and off and break. And the result was my heart got deeply broken. I was searching for love and in in, joy and searching for some kind of love that would be missing in my life. I felt I was finding it in her, then to have it pulled away. It was just heartbreaking. And anyway, this before we came to Christ, it fell into sin and we had, she become pregnant. But both of us, because of a religious background, knew the extreme disapproval that each of us would find from our families. And we were caught in a dilemma that's so true of any person who's in a religious system of fear of punishment, fear of rejection, fear of disapproval. So we covered our sin. We hid it. And we actually adopted our girl out. I never did see her when she was born. So Joy went through trauma alone in the hospital of, of, of having a child and then letting the child go. And in those days, uh, the laws were such you could never... Uh, you were never able to uh, ever meet that child again. There was no way the information would be passed. And uh, not long after that, I came to Christ. I got married, I came to Christ, and, uh, and I deeply repented. And I remember coming before the Lord and, and deeply repenting before Him about dishonoring joy, about uh, dishonoring God, and about rejecting this daughter, not standing by her and standing by and taking responsibility for my sin and its consequences, and protecting her from what was about to happen. And so it was a deeply painful experience, but I repented and I said, God, I know the law has made it impossible for us to meet her, but I know you're the kind of God that brings people back into relationship, and I believe one day you'll bring her back to us. So, Lord, I'm making a covenant with you now. The day you bring her back, I will let everyone know who she is. I will not hide from her. I will not reject my own flesh. I will not turn away from her. I don't care what I'm doing, what's happening in my life. I'll make known publicly who she is and be open about my failure. And so years went by and I got called into ministry, become a pastor, and we got pastoring a church, then pastored another church, and then 
then years later, God put it in our heart to write a letter in to the uh, adoption agency, you know, social welfare. So we did. And the week our letter came in, a letter came in from her mother the same week, would you believe? requesting information. So we gave information, they, she was requesting it, and then we started connecting, had a little bit of a connection through the agency, and then finally the time came to be able to meet our daughter. You can't imagine the feelings you have over such a thing. And uh, this story for me was incredibly uh, written into my heart for years. I'd prayed for this daughter I'd never met. And uh, then the day came when she contacted us and we paid for her to come and she met up with us. And uh, I can remember vividly being at the airport to meet her. The most amazing thing about God, because God really knows how to do stuff. I tell you when, you, when you repent and come to Him, He is extravagant. This is about an extravagant father, not about the extravagant son. <laughs> extravagant. This day my, son, my daughter came back. Would you believe it? Of all the days she chose, it was my birthday. I can't imagine a better present. But I remember standing at the airport and looking out the window for a daughter to come back. And the Lord dropped that verse into my heart. That while he was led a long way off, the father was moved with compassion and ran, embraced and kissed. And God said, you know what you're feeling right now? He said, that's what I feel about people. There are sometimes experiences in our life that are really painful, but in those moments, you can meet with God and find an experience of His heart you cannot get any other way. And our daughter came, and in the middle of that airport, I ran to her, put my arms around her, and hugged my daughter for the first time. We had such a party that night. And so this story is written in my heart. The week before she came, I stood before the church and we shared our testimony and told them about what had happened in our past. And that day, hundreds came up weeping. Broken relationships, people who had adopted our children, people who were adopted, they all came up. And God just powerfully... So when we opened our hearts to the grace of God, it became possible for others to receive the same grace. And so... We were able to celebrate. Now, I'll just finish now, and we'll finish the story. Our daughters kept coming back and kept coming back and kept coming back. Each time she'd come back, she would weep. She'd feel the love, love in the house. It wasn't like that where she'd gone. And she'd come back, and she'd cry. She, I don't know why I'm emotional. And, and I, when you, I said, you're just feeling the love of God. And she was, finally, she came to a place where uh, she was able to be totally reconciled. She lost. She realized what she'd lost out on over all those years because her father and mother had come together and she had six natural brothers and sisters. And it was quite a contrast, our family life, to her family life. And uh, she had struggles coming to grips with it. And finally, uh, we had the great joy about a year, two years ago. Uh, she brought a young man to us to ask what we thought about him and whether she should marry him. And uh, I had the great privilege then uh, even though her own family are a little, you know, anxious about it all. She said, there's no one in this world I would want to take our wedding service but you. So I had the privilege. It was extremely difficult. It was very, very difficult. I remember the, going to the wedding practice and her parents were awkward. We'd met them before, but they were just awkward. And it was tight. It was real tense. 
And I went down the beach and just cried. I said, God, it's, it just feels so hard. Every other one of my children's been married. You, you've bought your presence in. Can you do this again? Would you just, I know most of them are not saved. Could you bring your presence into the house? Can you bring it into the day? She wants what she's seen the others have. And even though she's not saved, she doesn't know how to get it. She doesn't know what it really is. She just knows it felt good to be in these other weddings. She didn't realize it was the presence of God. But could you do it for her? And so that day I took the wedding and God's presence just came into the building. People just began to weep. God gave me a word. He showed me exactly how to handle the service, exactly what to say. And I started to honor her parents and value her parents for the responsibility they had taken up and thank them for all they had done for her. And you could feel as we began to honor them, honor the parents, you could feel them relax and then the presence of God came. You know, when you dishonor parents, life doesn't go well at all. But when you give the gift of honor, God is able to move. Presence of God came in. Her mother wasn't going to speak, but at the, uh, when, when the time came, uh, the, uh, she, Josephine stood up and spoke. Her husband stood up and spoke. And even the other little boy she had, he stood up and spoke. And, and God just moved. And Joe stood up and honored her parents. And then she honored us what we'd put in over the years that she'd come to know us and it was just deep again you just felt God come into the place people began to cry all over the place it was unbelievable this is the reception her mother stood up now she said I'm not going to speak and then she stood up she was touched she, they didn't realize God had come they just didn't know what it was but God had come and she stood up and then she began to thank Joy, my wife, for carrying the child. She said, every year on her birthday, I would be thankful to this woman I didn't know who carried this child I so longed for and gave her up for me. Joy just wept. God is unbelievably extravagant. Later on, our daughter had trouble conceiving because the age she is, and, and we prayed and laid hands on her and said, we believe God will give you a child. And she conceived within three months. The grace, the abundant extravagance of God. What an extravagant God we have. Oh, I tell you, religion can't help you. But a personal God who loves people so much he sent his son to die for them, oh, he will help you. He will not withhold anything from a humble heart. All it requires is to you to make that move. You see, the father was waiting until the son made his move. That's the case. But in the case of the religious son, well, the father had to go to him and entreat him. So whether you're the younger son who's attached to all kinds of things you're ashamed of, if that's you today, we want you to come forward and just come to experience God, to open your heart and get rid of the bitterness and resentment, the disappointments, the rejection of all these things you've tried to fill your life with and make a decision. You're going to come to God as a loving Father and let Him touch you and set you free. Whatever you're wearing, whatever you're clothed with, whatever junk you got into your life, whatever's attached to you, God will get it off you and set you free. He just wants you to come. If you've got issues with a natural father, you need to repent of what you've done. 
Undoubtedly, you've dishonored him in your words, your actions, and your attitudes. You're not responsible for his behavior. But if you want to move on in life, the Bible says, honor your father. Even if you can't honor him for what he did or his character, you can just honor him because his seed is in you. And it's right to honor. When you honor, you put yourself in the place where you can move forward. Maybe you've been in church all your life and haven't done all the wild stuff, but there's an emptiness of striving and struggling, and you desperately need to break out of that. You need to just let go of being judgmental and proud and come to respond that the Father loves you without your works. He doesn't need your works, doesn't need all your busyness, doesn't need all your do-do. He wants to have a relationship with you, and the overflow is then you have something to give to people. People don't need the laws. They don't need those regulations. They don't need the do this, do that. Don't do this, dress like this, dress like that. They don't need all of that. What they need is an encounter with a God who loves them. And so God wants you to be that. Would you represent? See, Jesus came to represent the Father. And this is the la- one of the last things he said was this. I will not leave you orphans without a Father. I will send my Spirit who will reveal the love of your Father in heaven to you, and you'll always have access to the Father by that Spirit that's inside you. So no matter what your earthly Father is, whether He's good, bad, or whatever, you can always come to a Father in heaven who will welcome you, love you, and embrace you. You just got to know He's put His Spirit inside you so always you can connect with that. Amen. Well, we just closed our eyes for a moment. Father, I feel your love and your grace and your amazing presence. I feel your overwhelming love. I'm so grateful for what you've done in our family and what you've done in our hearts and lives. And I pray, Lord, for that grace to overflow tonight. Listen, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ, you've come and you're not a Christian. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. So you're not a Christian. Christian's a person who's become joined in a personal connection by coming to trust Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. If you're not a Christian, you're separated from God. You're in a far country. But that should change in a moment of time if you would just open your heart to receive Jesus Christ. I wonder tonight if there's any person. Jesus said this. He said to everyone, who, everyone, anyone who received him, made him welcome, believed in him, trusted and gave their life into his hands, And then he says, he'll make them a child of God. Give them power to be a child of God. So tonight you could become a child of God. You become part of God's family. Just takes one decision, a decision to receive Christ. Is that you tonight? Would you raise your hand if that's you? I want to receive Jesus Christ. Any person here ready to receive Christ? Why don't you just raise your hand? I want to give my life to Jesus Christ tonight. Just raise your hand so I can say, is there anyone here tonight? Just say, I want to become a Christian. Can't really say, but if there is, is there someone over there? God bless. God bless. Okay, thanks. I see the hand now. It's with the lights. Anyone else? Did anyone else make that decision? It'd be a great decision to come to Christ tonight. There'll be other people tonight, and God's speaking to you. There's a gap. There's a vacuum. There's an emptiness. You're attached to all kinds of stuff. You've got unresolved issues with the Father, and tonight you just could come forward and say, I'm going to put it right tonight. I'm going to get free tonight. No more pigs for me. I'm out of the pigsty. I'm into the heart of my Father, into the love of God. Is that you tonight? 
Why don't you make your way? Let's just stand together, make our way to the front tonight. Let's just come forward. You've been in the house. You've been a religious person. Say, God, I don't know what your love is like. I'm so full of striving and rejection and trouble. If you're here tonight and you say, God, there's stuff in my life I want to get set free of, stuff I'm attached to. Man, I've done some things in my life. I'm so ashamed. I feel just like that younger son coming back. I feel the smell of it on me. I hate what I've got. I'm ashamed of it. Father, I need you to help me tonight. Why don't you just come? Why don't you just come? God bless you, sir. Thank you for coming. Thank you for responding tonight. Just going to show you how to pray in a moment. Going to lead you in a prayer. Open your heart for the Father to love you. There may be some deliverance. I don't want to really major on deliverance tonight. I want to really major on just God just touching you with his love and for you to be set free in a moment. So we'll break stuff off your life. But why don't you just open your heart to a loving God? We ready now? Just close your eyes for a moment. We read the passage. The son came back to his father. Father, I've sinned. Father, will you receive me? I just want to serve you. The father saw him. And was moved with compassion. Can you just picture for a moment. The father. His eyes filled with tears. His heart moved with love for you. You've made a step forward to him. He's willing to move towards you. It's very hard to receive love. When we don't believe we're lovable. Some of you will have a deep lie in your life. No one could love me. You've got to let go of that lie. God loves you. If you let go of that lie, you can open yourself to receive his love. You see God put his arms around you. Why don't you reach out to him right now? Stretch your hands out. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Then you just begin to just stay there with your heart fixed on a Father who loves you. Open to the love of God. We're going to come and lay hands on you for God to touch you. Follow me in this prayer. Father, I open my heart to you. I so desperately want to be loved. I turn away from my sin. All those things I've become attached to as a substitute for you. I'm ashamed of so many things. But Lord, I believe you love me. I believe you accept me. So I turn away from my sin and I turn to you. I open my heart to receive your love. I thank you in your eyes. I am lovable. I am loved. I am accepted. I belong to you. Father, I open my heart to receive your love. Thank you, Lord. Set me free right now from everything that's attached to me that holds me back in Jesus' name.
Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church in San Diego. To find out more information, check us out online at c3sandiego.com.